Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 126 of your favorite podcast, the Gordai Podcast. I'm Rose Justin Haley alongside my co-host Brandon Long. And today we are going to take you on a deep dive with Growth Hormone. What you need to know, Growth Hormone Edition. This one's been coming for a while. And I'm really, really excited to dive in with you guys. Make sure to have your notepads ready because it is fire. I think I did a really good job bringing it down in layman's terms. I need you guys to let me know. As always, this podcast brought to you by Revised Supplements, brought to you by Raw Supplements. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support our sponsors. Please, if you love this podcast, give us five stars. I'd greatly appreciate it. I'll see you inside. All right, you guys. So in the last podcast, um, it was our first time. We, we got these like, you guys have watched Joe Rogan. Soon, soon you're going to see it um, on our YouTube channel. But uh, the, the mics that he uses is kind of like considered like the best mics around. But there's like, um, so we, we just got them. We just recently um, brought them into play here on Grow or Die. And honestly, um, I fucking love them. In the last podcast, we kind of had some audio issues. A couple things went, uh, a couple things yeah. where it went a little south, but we, yeah. I think we adjusted decently. Yeah. Well, what was wild is like Brandon sounded really good, like in the headset, but then somehow, like during the conversion, um, you know, things went a little south, but uh, that podcast still fucking killed it. Yep. Um, you guys, by the time you hear this podcast, you have us over 60,000 downloads on the month, which is really cool. And I just could not appreciate you guys more. Um, but I, I think so, like the, the, the mics that we had, um, I don't know the correct terminology for them. Some of you um, audio tech gurus out there might know it better, but you could kind of talk into like any part of the mic um, and like it would pick up the sound. Whereas the mics we have now, it's like only in front and like the side is used to like diffuse outside noise and stuff like that. Boomsticks. Um, boomsticks. Yeah. Boomsticks. These yeah, are called yeah. boomsticks, right? Yeah. It's what they are. It's, it's like what they're, yeah. It's like boom. what they're similar to. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, you know, as we try to upgrade the podcast, um, my bad on that one. I, I kind of dropped the ball, but I know a lot of you still really enjoy that episode. I won't let you take fantastic. the fall completely. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. As well. I appreciate that. Yep. But today I'm really excited. Um, this is a podcast I wanted to do for a while. Um, I, I I don't know. Sometimes I guess it just slips in my mind a few times. Like every time it popped up, um, I just like didn't put it down in my podcast notes. But I'm really excited to talk to you guys about growth hormone. Um, I know it's been highly requested. I know growth hormone is something that's very, very misunderstood. Um, I feel like I kind of say that about any PED uh, because they're all very misunderstood, um, to be honest with you. But this one's really, really cool. Um, I think for a multitude of reasons. It has so many different effects. You know, it's, it can burn fat. It can uh, make you internally healthier. It can be used to build muscle. It can help with cognitive effects. Helps burn patients. You know, after um, you know a, a, an accident happens, kind of recuperate the normal life. It helps um, infants and children who are just behind in their growth phase kind of catch up. Um, so growth hormone is really really cool because it's so universal. It's so dynamic. Um, it's you know not something like 
trend where only bodybuilders use trend. Like trend is for one thing, one thing only. Well, growth hormone is kind of a universal drug that everyone can benefit from. It's really good for hair, skin, nails, um, really good for anti-aging, longevity. Personally, I will utilize growth hormone for the rest of my life. Um, and this is actually, like, this is a first year that I've, you know, really utilized it, um, one, in the appropriate way, but two, with an extremely consistent manner, because, you know, something with growth hormone that I didn't really um, realize until I was extremely educated on it was, man, it really is a long-term compounding effect, and so you can't expect to, like, take it, like, like, like when you, when, when you're a guy and you saw your first testosterone cycle, and it's just, you know, whatever, 250 megs of test a week, or whatever it might be, like, you see the results almost daily, right? You see the results in your training and how you feel, how you're operating and your physique, all that stuff. Growth hormone is not like that at all. Again, like I mentioned, it's kind of a compounding effect that builds up over time. Um, and so because that, like a lot of people get discouraged or they think it's a waste of money because pharma growth is really expensive. Um, you know, I spend around thir 12, 1300 a month on my growth hormone and you might be like, holy shit, like, you know, that's crazy. It's a lot of money. Actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's very expensive, but it helps me be able to stay number one healthy, um, which obviously is very important, but number two, you know, progressing, um, into the next phase of bodybuilding, um, where I'm at, I, um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends who are bodybuilders who, you know, they kind of choose growth hormone over paying their monthly rent. And I would not, <laughs> I would not recommend that. I always tell my clients, you know, when we utilize growth hormone, how much are we able to use that does not financially disturb you, right? And that's somewhere that you have to be really honest with yourself about because like, dude, at the end of the day, like, yeah. I take this very, very, very seriously. And a lot of you do too, but at the end of the day, it's just bodybuilding, right? And we can't put ourselves in financial duress, which a lot of guys do, expecting this magic miracle to happen. I also firmly believe that growth hormone usage is kind of something you want to bring into play when you're an actual national level guy. And so you need to be realistic with who you are, where you are in bodybuilding, and what you are, okay? Um, if you can't win a state level, uh, regional, you know, whatever, Whatever, whatever level show uh, without growth hormone, then we need to assess some other things like your diet, your training, the way that you are utilizing anabolics, um, how long you've been into the sport. Um, it's a tool, right? And it's a tool that it's not going to make you a better bodybuilder when you're at that level. It's not going to make you a better bodybuilder than just training, dieting, um, and you know, being perfect with your intent across the board is going to do. Uh, for females, it's the same thing. Um, until you're a really high level national girl, um, you know, growth hormones probably just not something we need to utilize. Yes. Females can utilize growth hormone. Yes. It's fantastic for them. They they, they need much less dosage to get way more out of it. Um, and, and, you know, anyone can utilize it, right? It's a, it's a longevity drug first and foremost. So bikini figure, women's physique, bodybuilding, wellness, Anyone can benefit really, you know, substantially over time from growth hormone. But like I said, 
let's not waste our time on it if you're not at that high national level. Okay. Just kind of use your newbie gains type yeah, thing and yeah. manipulate what you can in your area before you... Like, yeah, exhaust, you know, exhaust the other tools yeah, and get exactly. what you can out of the other tools. Um, you know, I won the Mr. Ohio and I, you know, never really utilized growth hormone for longer than like two months at a time. I didn't utilize it all during prep. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it was on the radar because... Quite frank, um, you know, just growth hormone was just not what I needed to become a better bodybuilder. I, I just needed to be more intense in my overall lifestyle. And I talked to you guys in podcasts about learning how to win, learning how to be elite. And like that's kind of where I was at that time, right? And that's where a lot of people are until they get to that high national level. It's like a next level thing. It is. You, know, you don't introduce it those is. type of things until you're no. at that level. Yeah, like growth hormone um, and, and the insulin relationship and how they work synergistically with anabolics. That comes later on, but that doesn't mean that you don't want to learn about it right now. Here's what we're going to dive into. I'm sure you knew a ton about it and still didn't use yeah, it. Yeah, I, I knew quite a bit. But you know, the issue is I I don't claim to know something until I do it myself. You know? You, you're your own um, guinea pig? Yeah, yeah. I'm my own guinea pig. Mm -hmm. You know, this all season, I went as high at one point as 12 IUs of growth hormone a day just to see the results. You know, the results really go, but 12 IUs of growth hormone a day, I mean, that's like a $4,000 a month thing. What, what's you know? a normal dose? Yeah, so I would say normal for a guy. I mean, normal for a girl's one, normal for a guy's two, but like you don't really get any muscle building effects out Did of you that. you're using 12? Yeah, so like if you're going to start talking about muscle building though, like using it for hypertrophy, yeah, like four is the lowest you want to go for a guy um two or three for a girl can get you there but you're going to see the most results around six seven eight honestly i i saw nothing more at 12 than i saw at eight and eight's what i'm using right now right i i, I see nothing more um so i i also you, well, you want to make testing. no i was just testing i was mm -hmm. just like trying to see because i thought i saw a little bit more at 10 um i thought i saw a little bit more at 11 and i went to 12 and i was like you know i i don't think i'm actually seeing more than i saw at eight and that's just based off the pictures it's based off how i feel it's based off my performance in the gym my recovery right um so that's kind of what i'm basing everything off of but i want to make a note that i'm talking about pharma growth hormone do not waste your money on the generic shit and I know a lot of you are still going to waste your money on the generic shit, so I'm not even going to waste my time. But growth hormone is so fucking expensive to make it. Like, the laboratories it's made in are multi, 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 tens of millions of dollar laboratories that are put together, regulated by, you know, the highest levels of, um, you know, medicine, safe, medical safety, and FDA and things of the like. How the fuck are you going to get growth hormone for a dollar in IU? <laughs> that's made in fucking kitchen sink when like that's like what it costs to make growth hormone is literally tens of millions of dollars with tons of regulations and restrictions it's very difficult to make would you be able to tell so, just by looking at it um you'd be able to tell you know based on the price yeah commonly based on the solution because like the f the generic growth hormones will come like kind of clumpy and stuff mm -hmm. like that's not that's not growth hormone no. it's not and then like you know of course you put i don't the, want anything the, clumpy yeah of course you put like the in the um um you know the solution in it and it you know all just turns into the liquid that you actually inject but yeah don't, don't waste your fucking money on it honestly so Diving in here, um, I want to preface this by saying I'm going to do the best that I possibly can. I think I really nailed these notes down. I'm going to do the best I possibly can to keep this very layman, all right? Because the growth hormone in IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor, is probably the most complex hormonal access to explain in the human body. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we completely understand it fully. 
um, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I don't understand it fully. It's very deep. It's a lot to unravel, but I'm, you know, really only interested in the bodybuilding benefits from it. And in that, you know, place, I obviously understand it very well. Um, so I'm going to try to like, I'm going to keep this very science-based. Everything I say is going to be a scientific fact about it, but, and then I'm going to share some anecdote here and there, but I, I, I want to just keep this as lame as possible. I'm just trying to understand this is, there's a lot that goes on with these, these hormone reactions in the body. So growth hormone, let's talk about its metabolic effect first, because as soon as you inject growth hormone, there are great metabolic effects. It releases glucose and fatty acids into the circulation. So it takes stored glycogen, it takes um, um, stored uh, body fat, it allows it to release energy into the bloodstream, and it starts circulating around the bloodstream. So that stored energy becomes available for all the organs and tissues to utilize. And this, essentially, it, it increases metabolism and sort of turns you into a fat-burning uh, machine as long as insulin's low enough. And I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. You kind of turn into a fat burning machine, um, you know, over this because there are going to be so many free flowing fatty acids that are going to be utilized. Well, insulin, anytime, anytime glucose goes into the bloodstream, your body's response is to elicit insulin, is to is to release insulin. Insulin goes through. Starts finding the glycogen, starts you know taking it back to you know where it's going to be stored, and all the meanwhile you know th this is a process right. So the meanwhile in the meantime your body's you know burning energy because that that released energy raises your basal metabolic rate, raises your body temperature, which literally raises your metabolism inherently. It, 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 Anytime your body temperature is raised, your metabolism raises. Period. It has to. Um, and so what we're going to be mainly using. And this instance is going to be the free fatty acids for your energy. Okay, so anytime a bolus of energy is pushed into the bloodstream, your body releases insulin. Insulin is going to go find the glucose first and foremost. Uh, you know, insulin's kind of main role is regulating blood sugar. And yeah, fat is going to slow down. Fat's going to slow down that dispersion. When fat's um, available in the bloodstream, it slows down the rate of which the glucose gets um, uptaken and stored back into the organs, the muscle tissue, you know, wherever it needs to go. But that's just your body's response anytime. Anytime it's release of energy. And because of glucose always being mobilized first and foremost, that is why free fatty acids are going to be your main source of energy here. So this is why I utilize during the cutting phase growth hormone in a fasted state before your fasted cardio. The one issue is it does it's not immediate in terms of the buildup of how much free fatty acids we can get into the bloodstream. It happens over time. Notice I said the effects happen immediately, but that doesn't mean the peak saturation is hit immediately. It usually takes about two or three hours to hit that peak saturation. So I literally, uh, when, when sleep is easier in prep or when we're, we don't have to dig completely as, you know, as deep as possible to pull off the last little bit of body fat um, for extremely lean, uh, competitors have to be extremely lean, I'll literally have my competitors wake up at a certain time throughout the night, inject that growth hormone subcutaneously, and then it starts working while they go back to bed. And also think about when you're sleeping, 
you're burning energy at a high clip. Your body's recovering. Your body's mobilizing. Um, you know, it, it, your body burns energy while you're sleeping. And depending on other fat burners you're using at the time, those are active when in your sleep as well, like specifically DNP, right? Especially when you're saturated. So you can take this growth hormone. It starts releasing these fatty acids. It starts releasing uh, this, this uh, glucose into the bloodstream. And you can start utilizing it literally while you're asleep. But peak saturation is going to occur about two or three hours after. This also means that a majority of the glucose is probably what hasn't been used is probably going to be pretty tied up or uh, stored back away by the insulogenic response that growth hormone or that the bolus of energy um, causes, causes your body to release, right? So we're going to have mostly free-flowing fatty acids in the bloodstream. So we're going to wake up. And then we're going to double down. We're going to take you him being HCL. We're just going to blunt your alpha-2 receptors, which allows more free fatty acids to go into the bloodstream. And we're going to take acetyl-L-carnitine, Alcar. Notice I didn't say L-carnitine. I said acetyl-L-carnitine. has 40% bioavailability, so we have to dose based off of that. You can't just take like 800 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams and expect to get a saturated dose because you're only going to absorb 40% of that. So we have to dose based upon that. So you want to take... Depending on your body weight, your lean body mass values 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, 3,500. Um, you know, anything over like 3,000, you kind of get into like the bigger guys, though. We're going to take that. That is also going to promote the release of free fatty acids into the bloodstream. Those two take about 20, 30 minutes to build up. We're going to take our L theanine, which is going to allow us to lock in mentally and really dial in. And then we're going to hit cardio. You have to be on such a strict schedule do. to nail this. You do. You do. And I have a client right now. I have a women's physique girl, Ashley Adams, who we're doing this with. Um, we're doing it with Ty. Uh, Ty Ryan, he's a classic physique guy. Um, we're doing this. And, man, you know, that like they nail it. Right. And, you know, the progress they're seeing is showing that this mm -hmm. works really well. Right. But then you go do fasted cardio. You have nothing but water in your system in terms of nutrition. And you just crank away on that cardio. Well, what energy does your body use? First and foremost, it's what is available in the bloodstream. So we don't need to pull out a bunch of, of glycogen. We don't need to pull out more. We don't need to mobilize more triglycerides because we have so much free fatty acids just flowing around. And those are just getting fucking crushed as you're doing your elliptical, as you're doing your Stairmaster. You know, you add something like if you're utilizing clenbuterol, if you're utilizing a DMP, if you're utilizing a T3, which T3 is an uncoupler similar to, or DMP is an uncoupler. T3 has uncoupling capabilities, but T3 inherently is not an uncoupler. It's not acutely an uncoupler. It just has capabilities of the like. Like you're, you, you turn into a fat burning machine. Your blood glucose probably will drop a little low. Um, so like, especially the leaner you get, but also the leaner you get, this protocol likely changes based on, um, you know, how you're sleeping, um, the rate of progress you're making, how you actually look compared to how far out you are. You know, there's a myriad of factors that go into that. What do you start like the dosage at? Do you like work it up or do you start so, at a certain dose for growth hormone? Yeah. Fat loss for growth hormones too. I use beyond that. Okay. Like two, if, if we're talking about, because the only thing we're going for is, is mobilizing the free fatty acids or mobilizing the energy into the bloodstream. Right. Yeah, three IUs doesn't do more than two IUs. Okay. Like it's all, it's all sort of like, like 
when you go to three IUs, there's a systemic IGF-1 response that elevates. When you go to four IUs, there's a higher systemic IGF-1 response, and we might have enough for connective tissue to repair. Okay. You go to five IUs, now you have high enough for hypertrophy. Okay. You see, but that, that doesn't change that there's more fatty acids right. going into the bloodstream, right? right? It's like, so, you know. So if you were just using it for a fat, yeah, to burn fat, two, it, IUs. two IUs. Yeah. Right. So I use, and that's like men and women, although women get away with one IU and have good results from it. But yeah, I mean, two IUs is going to be better. Right. Um, so like for fat loss, two IUs, mm -hmm. um, the more is not the better. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I, I want to talk about the hypertrophy, how I utilize growth hormone for hypertrophy, just kind of since we're on the topic. Um, and then kind of tie it back into how we would utilize in a contest prep phase. If you're someone like me and you can utilize eight IUs a day. So how I utilize for hypertrophy is I inject intramuscularly. So let's say we're doing eight IUs and today we train pull. And so on pull days, we obviously do a lot of biceps. I inject in each bicep head. Two I use outer, two I use inner. Left arm, two I use outer, two I use inner. Right arm. This causes a localized IGF-1 release. Remember, IGF-1 is the most anabolic hormone in the body by far. In all of your muscle tissue, there are IGF-1 receptors. There's growth hormone receptors. All those things, right? When you just inject subcutaneously, it causes a systemic rise in IGF-1, but that's not really conducive for hypertrophy because the systemic rise is so minute. But we get that exact same elevation in the muscle that we are injecting into, and it only it's not shared anywhere. It's only in that muscle. So obviously the bicep gets all of that IGF-1. Well, that's a bolus of IGF-1, the most anabolic compound. And since I started doing this, you know, the progress pictures don't lie. I mean, I've put on almost a full inch on my arms since I started just uh, injecting growth hormone. When was that? Um, when was that? Uh, two months ago. Sure. Yeah. And my chest, is, my chest has gone up about an inch and a half, two inches because on push day we do chest. Yeah. Um, and on leg day, I do my uh, vastus lateralis. Um, the, the quad sweep, if you will. I really want to do my hamstrings, but I'm terrified of doing my hamstrings. But also, it's like you have to inject three different places. Of like, or, you know, potentially four if you can actually f figure out where the fourth one is. I don't think I'm lean enough to see, like, the, where the fourth one's at right now. But, yeah, I mean, so, like, that's that, – dude, I'm, I'm too scared for that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not tough enough for that. Do you ever do it in your, uh, your lats? No, just because my back's so strong. Okay. Like, my, I just need – like my biceps match my lats. Okay. Um, today I was going to do it on my lats because I like, man, my biceps do get sore. I can't lie. Because mm -hmm. we hit biceps three, well, I hit biceps three times a week. So three times a week I inject them with the growth hormones. So yeah, like they're, wow. yeah, they're a little fucking sore. How come I don't man. see this? But that's what I do uh, for the gym when I do my insulin. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, it okay. was so fast. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so like that's how I run for hypertrophy phases. Now, when I go into a dieting phase, the issue is, you know, you're in a calorie deficit. There's a lot of release. There's obviously a systemic release of IGF-1. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not, you're not just going to magically get more IGF-1 because you injected more growth hormone. Like it doesn't, it's not an exponential effect. There's only so much you can tap, right? I'm still going to do the intramuscular growth hormone injections until I'm past a certain point of body fat. But after, just because I'm just, if I can just squeeze a little bit out, then that's better than nothing, right? But past a certain point, like past like, 
man, once you're like below probably like eight and a half, eight percent body fat, which is not very lean, it's just yeah, but below that, you're just not going to get a lot of response out of it. Um, so, um, I, yeah, that's I think that's pretty well broken down how I do hypertrophy, um, you know, versus um, fat loss. One thing to note is whenever you're taking super uh, super physiological levels or super pharmacological levels, I guess you could say here of, of GH, the body needs to constantly secrete pretty high amounts of insulin to be able to keep up with how many nutrients it does release, right? So the insulin increases, the insulin sensitivity decreases, which oftentimes brings people to an insulin resistance of sort. This is why you need to run insulin alongside growth hormone. When you utilize exogenous insulin, it gives your pancreas a break. And when your pancreas realizes, because when your pancreas realizes that insulin's in there, it's like, oh, I don't need to do any. I can like chill out for a little bit, right? So, I mean, that's you, you, you have to run the two hand, hand in hand. Almost, you almost have to. I don't want to speak in absolutes. 100% of my clients who utilize um, high levels of growth hormone will utilize insulin alongside of it. It's just more right. beneficial. It's much more beneficial. You're almost wasting in a sense. Yeah. If you don't. Yeah. Well, you're, you're putting, you're choosing to put your body in an unhealthy state when you don't. And like, you know, if your insulin sensitivity goes, well, then inflammation shoots up, your cortisol shoots up, CRP shoots up. And like now recovery is harder. Sleep is harder. Brain fog's harder. Training's harder, you know, all that stuff. So it's like, what if we just inject some exogenous insulin and we essentially allow ourselves to just be healthy because yeah. we're controlling our own insulin levels. Um, like that, that's how you have to essentially run it. Um, I have in here determining insulin dosage, but I kind that needs like a whole podcast on it. Um, I can, I'll, you, like, I'll, 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 I'll give a super brief overview. Yeah. So how I have my people determine insulin dosage is, Obviously, all my clients assess their blood glucose upon waking up. If you have a coach who does not demand you take your blood glucose, I would highly recommend getting a new coach because that is so fuck. That is just that I, I cannot imagine being that careless and reckless with my clients. Um, you take your blood glucose, you send that over to me. So I know where all of my clients run and their blood glucose, right? Well, beyond that, I have my clients take their blood glucose about 10 minutes before they train about 10 minutes after they train, then they'll eat their post-workout meal, and then three hours post-prandial, which is after that, that, that post-workout meal. No food, no calories should be consumed between that post-workout meal and that three-hour post-reading. I'm gonna take all of these readings, and I'm gonna see what range they're in. Let's say a client has a pre-workout reading. Obviously, their pre-workout meal was in. This is 10 minutes pre-training. Their pre-workout reading is 106. And then immediately post-workout, their reading, which 106 would be pretty good, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they just had a bolus of food. So post-training, you know, they have their intro workout, everything. They're still running around 110. 115, um, just for conversation purposes here. And then they have their post-workout meal. And their post-workout meal, three hours after, they're like 130. All right, so now I have three readings that are all over 90. And not saying that, like, like being over 90 is not always inherently bad. At certain parts of the day, you kind of want to be. Like, during your training session, you kind of want to be over. But now, post-prandial reading is saying that, oh, we're staying high. 
we're staying really fucking high here. And your post training reading is saying, oh, I was at the gym two hours. I've been over 100. Or I've been, yeah, I've been over 100 based on numbers I just gave you. I've been over 100 for two, two and a half hours. Well, then you get your post prand deal. You've been over 100 for five and a half, six hours at this point. Right. Like that's a big deal. Right. So now we have all these numbers over 100. So we're going to put in a little bit of insulin pre-workout. It's going to help pull those, those pre-work, that pre-workout nutrition, help mobilize it. And it's going to pull that blood glucose down. Our blood glucose is going to spike back up again because we're going to have some insulin carry over and start dispersing during that intra workout session. But we're probably going to like run out for lack of better terms and, you know, for how in depth I'm going on this right now, we're going to run out. So your pancreas kind of takes back over. So it'll probably go back up post training, but then post training, we're going to implement um, about 10 minutes prior, 15 minutes prior to your post training meal. We're going to implement more insulin that'll again, give your pancreas a break. Cause obviously your pancreas is overshot right now. Give your pancreas a break and it's going to help mobilize the amino acids, the fats and the glucose that we take in with that post-workout meal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did I explain yeah, that well. Yeah. So for the conversation of this podcast, that's just where we're going to leave it at. Uh, but I will do a full podcast kind of breaking down insulin and insulin, uh, insulin sensitivity, um, and all that stuff. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so and it also, it, it depends on, are we utilizing Novolin R, which you can just pick up at like really any pharmacy, or are we utilizing something a little more fast acting like Cumalog or Novolog, where I have a lot of clients using the uh, FIAP, which is like extremely fast acting insulin is coming out now. Although in that extremely fast acting insulin, majority of my clients actually are seeing very similar blood glucose drops to what they see on the logs, the Humalog or Novolog, which is supposed to be still fast acting, but slower than the rapid acting. Um, so it's not rapid acting in everyone. There's a lot of bio individuality behind it. Again, I like if you can't, I, I have a lot more notes to cover here. If you can't tell by now how fucking important it is having a coach who understands pharmacology, I'm not sure how to fucking paint the picture to you because all these things just matter so much. Honestly, even if you're not even utilizing growth hormone or insulin, these fucking matter a ton. Right, even right? if you're not even using PEDs. Yeah, yeah, this matters a shit ton still. Right. Like, mm -hmm. this is how your body responds. Right. Right. Your body makes growth hormone. Your body makes insulin. Your body makes IGF-1, exactly. and you need to be utilizing it properly. Right, and if you're um, not, your coach needs to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your coach needs to be able to know everything. and know how to troubleshoot. Right. Quite frank, uh, growth hormone has a direct and immediate anabolic effect in the body because it causes all tissues, specifically muscle tissue, to retain or, depending on your dosage, elevate nitrogen. You guys all listen to the Protein Podcast. If you did not listen to the Protein Podcast, that was one of the top five most important podcasts I've ever done for someone looking to improve their physique or for a coach looking to better serve their athletes, right? So this leads to a more positive nitrogen balance, which means more anabolism and greater potential for anabolism, which is you growing. That's the opposite of... Uh, um, um, Jesus Christ, catabolism, Jesus Christ. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I was reading the notes. So, it, it, so it, it, it also causes the body to retain minerals like sodium, potassium, calcium, phosphorus, which are all very important in the pump matrix and the nutrient disposal matrix, nutrient delivery, any performance matrix. matrix these are very important to. So this kind of th th this would like explain why a lot of people see like fast water retention um, or like a scale jump on growth hormone if you will but the biggest thing to focus on here is the positive nitrogen balance a greater potential 
for more anabolism means you can build more tissue means you can also recover faster means you can repair connective tissue faster which means you're going to be again a healthier and a better competitor so it has an immediate anabolic effect there right um, because of the uh, mineral retention effect of growth hormone, um, this is why a lot of coaches pull growth hormone out close to a show because um, it will cause a drop in these. It'll cause a drop in the scale, but that's not always inherently better. A lot of people do it blindly. Like a lot of people have like 100% of their clients pull growth hormone out close to a show. Like sometimes these things are good because if we have higher sodium, potassium, calcium, phosphorus, then we're going to be fuller. We're going to have a bigger, fuller physique. Now, if there's actual subcutaneous water that is making you look blurry or too blurry to you know, for, for the shape that you need to be in for your competition, then yeah, pull it out. That watery sort of like yeah. muddy. Yeah. Look type a, a, a little bit muddy. Muddy is usually when we have too much potassium, but you know, just like there's water sitting over the muscle and it's just like, you can see the striations are there. Um, you can see the individual striations of the muscle, but like, it's just a little slightly blurred. It's like, like the film. Skin, yeah. The yeah. Muscle. Like the skin's not sunk down right. into the actual ridges. Right. Um, it's just like, it's just laying on top. Of it. Now would you, like do you just water. pull it? Yeah, 100%, yeah. So you just pull it like slowly? maybe a week out, 10 days out. It just kind of depends on what the client needs. Um, but you know, that you can also, I mean, you can also run up to like two or three days out if you understand how to use diuretics, like specifically aldactone. Right. Um, you know, you can also run it up really close to the show then pull it out um, and just, you know, allow your body to kind of have that, uh, you know, extra, um, just that extra, you know, 1% right. up until the last up. days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but not everyone needs it pulled. Okay. Um, now, IGF-1, like I said, one of the most anabolic hormones in the body. There are people who utilize growth hormone. And for some reason, th this is kind of where my, knowledge um, kind of finds its end. For some reason, there's just no IGF-1 response that happens with higher growth hormone. And usually you'll see this in, um, you know, adolescents that, uh, you know, are falling behind on the growth scale or people who were born really small and, you know, f you know a, a long time before they were supposed to be, you know, things like that. But we also, I mean, we see it and I've never seen it personally um, with any of my clients who have utilized it. Um, but I, I know of people who do not use growth hormone because they're just quite frank, non-responders somehow, for some reason, the IGF one is being blocked, but it'll still retain some of its anabolic and metabolic effects just because there's GH receptors and so many different tissues within the human body that are still going to be somewhat of an effect but the biggest effect in terms of muscle building and bodybuilding is the IGF-1 um, release, okay? Oftentimes, um, you know, when this doesn't work in children, they're prescribed Incrolex, which is like true IGF-1. Um, I know there's, you know, some bodybuilders, I know there's theories that, you know, some of what they're doing over in Kuwait has a lot to do with Incrolex. Um, getting your hands on Incrolex is incredibly difficult, though. It is. It, it's. I mean, it's next to impossible because nobody can afford it. Do they use that because they're non-responders or to help? To help. To help. Oh. Like, they have growth hormone and they have Incrolex. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, that's okay. how, I, I mean, you know, Brandon Curry went over and put, what, 30, 40 pounds of muscle on him. Mm-hmm. He was already an IPV pro bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. And he went from a nobody to Mr. Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> like, Incrolex is a big reason why. Dude, it, it is, just allows it, you it, to... it's just impossible. I've, I've never even seen, and I, I've seen a lot of shit. I've never seen Incrolex available. Um, it's, 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 is it's, it something you would take? Oh, if I had it, yeah. But I, well, I, even if it wasn't, well, I couldn't afford it. I mean, really, it's I mean, it's fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand a month. Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anchorlex is unbelievably expensive. Uh, appar- uh, apparently, right. That that's all hearsay. Because I've never, I know a lot of suppliers. I know a lot of pharmacies. I've never seen Anchorlex be available. Oh, if wow. I did, and it was at a price, even if it was a hefty price, if it was at a price that was affordable, I would I would definitely do it. But the issue is. IGF-1 being raised systemically can also potentiate more active cancer cells. And with growth hormone and stuff, you can control that because the, the elevation is still minute compared to how much elevation it needs for the actual cancer cells to go active. No, I mean, you start injecting Incrolex and it's like prostate grows, right. cancer cells. So like there's a monster. The upside is still outweighed by the downside. So you're kind of selling your soul to the devil at that point and choosing bodybuilding over well-being. And, you know, but, you know, I would run it short term. Like I'd run it for a month or two. Um, I'm also not extremely well-versed in Incrolex just because it's not a factor. It's not a viable factor Mm -hmm. for me or any of my athletes Mm -hmm. or anyone that I know. Um, Quite frank, it's I think it's really only a viable athlete for a very small number of people in the world. Um, what a huge advantage though. What a huge advantage. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's man, your, your career, every time you inject it, your career gets cut shorter. I feel like because of, yeah, because of, you know, the negative consequence. Now I also don't know, maybe you inject intramuscularly and it all stays there. I I have no idea how Incrolex is run. I, if I had a bottle in my hair right now, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, but I know that there's a lot of literature on it, but it's not well understood in the bodybuilding community because, again, no one has access to it other than apparently hearsay is some folks in Kuwait, um, you know, at the O2 gym and around that camp. So growth remote causes IGF-1 secretion from target organs like the liver and kidneys where most IGF-1 is. The IGF-1 travels in the, in, in the body to different tissues. It's called the inducting effect. The GH also causes a local secretion of IGF-1. It's kind of getting into how it's utilized for hypertrophy um, and other growth factors. So IGF-1 is not the only growth factor. There's IGF-2, um, I believe 3, there's many growth factors in the rest or no, I think there's just two and the rest aren't IGF one, but they're another um, like letter before it's a it's still a growth factor, but it's not insulin like growth factor. It's a different type that's still elicited by IGF. But again, like you guys have to understand how minute all these things are. IGF one is so fucking anabolic that it is such a tiny amount that I can't even put a measurement on how small that amount is that causes all these responses to happen. Like, that is how fucking potent and anabolic it is, right? Um, but the growth hormone causes a local secretion of IGF-1 and other growth factors on a multitude of tissues throughout the body, like connective tissue um, and other items, but mainly on muscle tissue, and this is called the autocrine effect. And it's responsible for the stimulation of cell division. And this explains why... why you know, such a unique desired effect from growth hormone, especially when we're talking the super pharmacological dosages of growth hormone because it's cell division effect. This is where 
anabolics plus growth hormone come into play for building tissue. Growth hormone by itself is not going to make you build all this fucking tissue. It's not. By itself, you're not going to build tissue. Even if you can inject an IM, you can inject 20 fucking IUs daily into a muscle. And if there's no anabolics there, if there's no insulin there, then you're still going to struggle. I mean, yeah, you're going to build more than not having it, but it's not going to be close to just a little bit of testosterone. Why is that? It needs to have, it's like having a rocket ship without the fuel, right? The, the anabolic is the rocket ship. The growth hormone is the fuel. And, and the rocket ship needs to be able to go somewhere. The rocket ship's still going to look cool. It's still going to do a lot for you, but it has to have the right kind of fuel in it. When that's and what, what doses would that be for like a normal cycle? Um, well, so, normal, so, just say like a decent cycle. But well, for the growth hormone, it's not going to change. It's going to be the same as the hypertrophy dosages, like five, six, seven, eight, um, you know, for this. But the anabolics, I mean, you have, if you have five IUs of growth hormone, you're injecting intramuscularly with like 200 migs of test. It's going to be such a greater effect than just the test. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe like 10% greater, let's say, right, we can't, so we can't put a percentage on it, but that's substantial. That's huge. 10%. That means you get 10% more anabolism every time you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, now, again, that's for someone who would be a hyper responder. There's not an actual percentage we can put on it, but that's like the effect that it has, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if the anabolic's making you grow at a 60% faster clip, and then you add in the growth hormone, now it's 70%. That's a huge, honestly, if it goes from 60 to 62, that's a monster that's difference. Too, yeah. yeah, like 60 to 60.5 is a monster difference over time. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Um so the, 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 the GH essentially forces cell division to happen, but just because cell division is, you know, or promotes cell division to happen, but just because it's promoted to happen, there's also to be a reason why it should happen. Well, that's kind of where the anabolic comes in. The body's like, okay, you know, I can, I, I can split these cells. I have enough nutrients. I have enough, horm um, uh, enough intercon system functioning because of how many hormones are in your anabolic hormones are in your body that I can promote this growth through how much nitrogen I have that, which protects the cell division and doesn't allow the cells to die during the division that's caused by the anabolics. Um, and, and then the cell division happens and you know, the growth hormone stores all those minerals, the anabolics and force your body to partition nutrients specifically to muscles and, and hold more minerals on stuff. So now your body has the fuel to be able to force this cell division to happen. I think, I mean, we're talking about muscle cells. We're talking about turning one muscle cell to two muscle cells, to four muscle cells, to eight, to you know, 64, like all the fucking way through. Right. Um, so like, that's why this is such a big deal. The two together allow for a much faster and more optimal route for the cell division to occur. So while the direct anabolic effects of the growth hormone are pretty immediate, um, and like I mentioned, not as prominent as steroids, the autocrine effects take time, and it requires constant exposure um, of effective dosages. Remember, the autocrine effects is the local secretion of IGF-1. That's why you want to use it for a long, you know, long time um, to, to essentially have this happen at a consistent or a noticeable rate. Okay. So the final important effect growth hormone has it directly, excuse me, it directly tri triggers fibroblast activity, which means the recuperation and creation of connective tissues. This is huge. This enables optimal recuperation from injury, but of course it also means more strength gains because you're only as strong as your connective tissues allow you to be. If your connective tissues are stronger, your body understands that you have more room to grow more muscle. 
it's 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 a it's um, it's a parallel effect here. It's a cohesive unit moving forward. When the muscle gets stronger than the connective tissue, that's when tears and shit happen, right? Your body doesn't want to let that happen. The connective tissue almost always has to be stronger than the muscle, even by just a little bit. So the growth hormone over time causes your connective tissue to be able to be stronger, which means your body's like, oh shit, you know, I can grow this muscle a little bit more. Because remember, homeostasis, dude, it's always going to win. It's always going to fucking win. And if your connective tissue is not getting stronger, your muscle's not going to fucking get that much stronger or bigger. Or if you can consistently force that muscle to get stronger, bigger, stronger, bigger, but your connective tissue falls behind, you're going to end up injured. So this takes a long time. Um, essentially to happen because connective tissue is just the slowest to build or recuperate. But isn't it always interesting? Like when, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, he goes over to Germany and he gets, you know, stem cells, air quotes, after he has this neck surgery. Like, man, you know, we don't even know if, if you can make a throwing motion anymore. Yeah, he broke his collarbone. Yeah. He broke his fucking neck. And then he wins the MVP next year. Man, those stem cells must have done something that stem cells aren't really able to do. Mm-hmm. No, he underwent growth hormone therapy, <laughs> very intensive growth hormone therapy, and it helped that connective tissue rebuild and go to a place that it's never been. I mean, LeBron James. You want to know how he's still performing at the level he is? Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Don't be blind. This is happening everywhere. This is happening in real time. They're doing it right, they're, obviously. They're doing it right. Yeah. Why, well, why did you not take growth hormone? I mean, you're, you like, there's no negative effects that can really happen mm-hmm. when utilizing it properly. Right. Um, you, you know, you have the best care medical team in the world. You have the best trainers in the world who, you know, do understand this drug really well. Like, why would you not utilize it? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, you know, no big deal. It's only, you know, $100 million that's on the line for all these people. Right. Like, you know, of course you're going to, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. when people put these professional athletes on, like, this moral high ground because, like, they don't take drugs. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are so blind to reality. And like, why, you know, who cares? Yeah. You can't like put your body under that much stress for that exactly. many years and still be performing like, at that level. LeBron James is averaging like how many a night I watched him yeah. drop 46 against the Cavs the other night. And he's a fucking old man at this point in basketball in, in athlete years. He still makes he's everybody, old as fuck. He makes everybody like, look like boys. he's the greatest athlete on the planet. Still yeah. <laughs> he's out 37. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking unreal. Um, so I hope this helps you guys. I think that was really complicated comprehensive and I didn't want to drag this out super long because I know there's times you can just get lost and like what the fuck's the dude talking about so I'm excited to hear your feedback on this I hope you took some good notes growth hormone is a fantastic drug to utilize for anybody it's very expensive only utilize pharma do not use anything but pharma anything else is going to waste your money it's going to waste your time you're going to be frustrated and everything I talked about today is not going to happen utilize it intelligently if you're going into muscle building or super pharmacological range with the growth hormone we need to utilize it with insulin okay so i hope this helps as always i'll see you guys next time waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.